You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. everybody and welcome to episode 66 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host Shauna Smith and today we're going to be talking about how to make your own apple cider vinegar at home using apple scraps. I love apple cider vinegar. You can use it for so many things. Like there's sometimes I come across as a total bonkers health nut. Like, not always because I love French fries and I love wine and I love anything chocolate, but it's pretty much guaranteed that if I'm talking about apple cider vinegar, it's going to sound like an infomercial. Mr. B actually rolls his eyes anytime I start talking about it because there's so much you can use it for. You can use it to clean your skin. You can use it as a toner. You can use it to pickle things. You can even use it as a hair rinse. My favorite way to use it is as a tea with hot water and honey for an irregular digestive system, helps with bloating and cramps and indigestion and even constipation. Yes, I said it. It happens to the best of us. So if you want to learn how to make your own apple cider vinegar so super easy, it's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. But first, a word from our sponsor. So before I started making my own apple cider vinegar, I would only buy organic apple cider vinegar because apples, you know, they can be, the peels can be sprayed with so many things, so many pesticides and herbicides, and I just, I didn't want that in my apple cider vinegar. Um, And so I would always buy Bragg's apple cider vinegar and like it has the mother in it. The mother is the product of, you know, fermentation, which is, you know, a lot of what provides all those probiotic, you know, bacteria, which is what makes it so good for you. So imagine my delight when I learned how to make apple cider vinegar myself with an apple tree in our own backyard. It just felt like, duh, why am I not doing this? And honestly, making your own apple cider vinegar is the most fun you will ever have watching something sit in a jar. So with all that going for it, let's talk about how to make apple cider vinegar. And the first thing we're going to talk about is how vinegar develops. Vinegar is created when the bacteria in a solution digests the available sugars to create what's called a SCOBY. A SCOBY is stands for a symbiotic community of bacteria and yeasts. It sounds kind of gnarly, but it's actually a good thing. In fact, it's really similar to the ideal state of your digestive system. So your digestive system actually has a mix of good bacteria and yeast, and it's when the bad bacteria get out of proportion that you start having digestive trouble. And a SCOBY is also um, what's known as the mother if you make your own kombucha. And I do make my own kombucha, and I'm hoping to do a blog post coming up in the next several months on how to make your own kombucha. It's super, super easy. Chinese grandmas have been doing it for hundreds of years. It's really, honestly, in my experience, it's hard to screw it up as long as you keep some basic rules in mind. So We're going to be covering that later, but for now, 
just talking about apple cider vinegar. Vinegar has a few different stages, primary fermentation, alcoholic fermentation, and then finally vinegar. It needs the right conditions to go from one to the other, but don't worry. It's not hard. Learning how to make apple cider vinegar is really, really easy. So how to make apple cider vinegar. Step one, get a bunch of apple peels and cores. September and October are the perfect time to learn how to make apple cider vinegar because apples are in season, so they're much less expensive than usual, and they're especially easy to come by if you have an apple tree or you have a neighbor who has an apple tree or your friends or your family wanted to go apple picking and you're processing all these apples at once. You know, if you're making apple cider vinegar, it's obviously best, like I talked about, to use organically grown apples, so apples that weren't sprayed with pesticides or anything like that, because, you know, you're using the skins. The skins are what all those pesticides would have landed on. You're using those skins to make apple cider vinegar, so you don't want those to end up in your apple cider vinegar. So use organic apples, please, please, please. And the first thing you want to do is peel your apples. It's especially easy if you have an apple peeler, um, one of those things that you kind of like stick on a little pike and then you turn the crank and it kind of spirals the apple peel off. I have a link to the one that I have on Amazon in the sister post for this episode, which as always, you can find the link to in the show notes. I'm not the biggest fan of single-purpose kitchen gadgets, I should tell you, but when it comes to, one, the reasonable price of an apple peeler and my tomato press, I put them through enough work that they're more than worth the price, these kind of single-use kitchen gadgets. So I would say that it's worth it. It's definitely going to save you time if you're peeling a bunch of apples at once. So once you have all your apple peels, stuff them into a quart-sized jar. And like, when I say stuff them into, like really like mash them in, get a spoon and like just really smush them down in there. Once you've done that, we move on to step two. Step two is add sugar. You do not need a lot of sugar. In fact, after you fill that canning drawer with the peels and the cores, you can peel, you can put the cores in there too, And obviously make sure that that canning jar is sterile, like it's just come out of the dishwasher or it's had a lid on it the whole time it's been in storage after you ran it through the dishwasher. Either way, add just one and a half tablespoons of granulated sugar. That's all it takes for an entire quart of apple cider vinegar. Fermentation works best when there's a lot of sugar available. And actually, most of the sugar is going to be gone. Actually, all of this sugar, if you're doing apple cider vinegar, will be gone by the time you it's done. So you don't have to feel bad about the extra added sugar. It's the same way with kombucha. You let it ferment long enough and the yeast and the bacteria will eat up all the sugar and what you have left with is, is vinegar. In case you're wondering, yes, beer and wine are also made via fermentation. Vinegar passes through an alcoholic stage on its way to the final product. We're going to talk about that here in a sec. Step three, after you've added the sugar, remember one and a half tablespoons per quart jar of peels and cores from an apple or multiple apples. Step three is add water. Fill the jar with water, leaving about a half an inch of headspace from the top of the rim. So just like if you are used to canning tomato sauce or pretty much anything else, 
leave a half inch of headspace to the top of the rim. And that's about the, the width of the neck of the jar. Make sure the peels and the cores are covered with water. So again, if you need to, once you added the water, use a spoon and jam them down in there. It's ideal if you can keep the peels and the cores constantly submerged. Um, most people do this with fermentation weights, and I have a link to fermentation weights on Amazon in the sister post for this episode. I actually use some really big washers from Mr. B's workshop, and I just like sterilize them in the dishwasher before I throw them in the jar. So like they are things that are, come from, you know, like the garage, but I sterilize them first and they're really nice and heavy and they just kind of keep the, the apple peels from like floating to the top. So if you don't want to buy fermentation weights, there's definitely a cheaper out option out there. Trust me. Once you've done that, once you've added the water and you make sure that the peels and the cores, everything are constantly submerged, step four would be to cover with a breathable cloth or a paper towel. So a lot of us these days, we're trying to waste less. So like you could use a tea towel, you could use a cloth napkin, a regular kitchen towel is probably going to be too thick because you're going to want it to be thin enough that you can screw the screw band of the canning jar over it. And you know that threading that the, the band kind of fits on will still work. So paper towel, tea towel, or a cloth napkin. Any of those will work. The reason why it has to be a paper towel or a cloth it has to be breathable. So anything that ferments needs to breathe because the yeast and the bacteria are alive. They are living things and living things obviously need air in order to be able to survive. So if you were to put a canning jar on there or a canning lid on there, you would deprive it of oxygen. It would have a little bit of oxygen to ferment, but then after a while it would stop fermenting because it needs air to ferment. So Oh, and a coffee filter. Forgot. A coffee filter is a really great option as well. So clean paper towel, coffee filter, tea towel, cloth napkin. Pin it down using that canning screw band. Um, you could also use a piece of cheesecloth folded over several times. Once it's covered with whatever you use to cover it, store the jars in a warm, dark spot. So don't put them in the refrigerator but don't put them in direct sunlight. We want to keep it out of direct sunlight because that's going to heat it up to the point where things will cook, not ferment. And similarly, you don't want to put the jar in the refrigerator because lowering the temperature is going to retard the fermentation process. Just keeping it on your countertop or out of direct sunlight or keeping it in a pantry or a kitchen cupboard is, is going to be plenty warm enough, especially if it's not next to an exterior wall. So you have sort of the ambient temperature in your home that that's going to be plenty warm enough. Step five, stir your fermenting apples scraps occasionally. So each day, take the jars from their resting place and either gently swirl the jar to disturb the contents, or you can remove the band the cover and the fermentation weight if you're using some sort of weight and stir with a spoon. Some people say to stir a few times a day. 
I don't, mostly because I'm happy enough with the results when stirring once a day, and honestly because I'm seriously just really busy and have a hard time remembering to stir more than once a day. This is why it's really helpful to be able to leave your apple cider vinegar as it's fermenting out on the kitchen countertop because you'll see it, you'll remember to stir it or agitate it. Don't go kicking yourself if you only manage to swirl it or stir it once a day. Like I said, I've been happy with my results. If by only stirring once a day. After a day or two, happens really fast, fermentation does, it starts really fast, you should start seeing bubbles. Bubbles indicate that the contents of the jar are beginning to ferment. Step number six, watch for mold. If you see anything dark and or fuzzy, that is mold. That is not good. Fizzy, good. Fizziness means fermentation. Fuzzy, bad. That's mold. Different people say different things when it comes to mold, but just to be safe, I throw out the contents of a jar with mold in it. I know you could like technically maybe scoop off the top and keep fermenting, but I just, I don't want to risk it. I mean, I'm perfectly fine picking off the spots of mold on my bread, but that's about as far as I'll go. Just because I feel like liquid, it's really easy for liquid to be kind of like contaminated if it was contaminated on the top. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if it's even necessarily true, but that is just something that I generally follow. If I'm trying to ferment something um, and it starts to mold, I, I throw it out. Better safe than stricken with food poisoning, right? And a way to help avoid mold is, again, to keep the contents of the jar weighted down. If they're consistently submerged, um, then it's far, far less likely that that mold situation is going to happen. So as long as there's no mold, you can proceed to step seven, and that is to strain. So after at least two weeks, you wanna strain. It's going to be cloudy at this point, and that's totally normal. So you strain the solids, all the apple peels and all the cores and everything from the vinegar through a coffee filter or through a fine mesh strainer and into another set of sterile quart size canning jars. You can toss the leftover cores and peels into compost at this point, and it's totally fine to compost them because they haven't come into contact with any animal fats, any dairy, anything that is going to make your compost pile smell. It's just been sugar and water, and a lot of that sugar is gone at this point, so it's totally safe to throw your apple scraps in the compost heap. Recover the new sterile jars that are now filled with this kind of cloudy vinegar, and with you know, whatever you were using before. And you don't have to use a new thing. You can use the same coffee filter, the same paper towel, the same piece of cheesecloth or tea towel, um, and secure it just like you did before with a canning band. At this point, your vinegar is in an alcoholic state, most likely. So leaving it to ferment longer We'll take it from a sweet and sour sort of vinegary tasting, you know, liquid with a little bit of alcohol content to full-on vinegar in just a few more weeks. So right now, if you wanted to drink it, it would kind of be like hard cider, actually. The way they would have made it like back in the day when Johnny Appleseed planted all the, the apples, you know, all across the country. It's really interesting, by the way, if you haven't ever listened to the story of Johnny Appleseed, um, he was actually a person 
and the apple trees that he planted were more for making hard cider. They weren't for, you know, just picking off the tree and eating. They tasted really terrible. They, they were more for picking off the tree, um, mashing up with sugar, and turning into an alcoholic beverage. So take that for whatever it's worth, but your apple cider vinegar is going to be kind of like hard cider at this point. And if you leave it to ferment longer, eventually all the sugar will be fermented out of it and all the alcohol will be fermented out of it as well. So if you've ever opened a bottle of wine that wasn't stored correctly or wasn't meant to age, you may notice that it tastes like vinegar. And that's wine that's gone from alcohol to vinegar. It's it's way too old. It's past its prime. Basically, if you keep exposing it to air, it'll go to vinegar really quick. So that's kind of, that's what will continue to happen as you wait for your vinegar to finish fermenting. The next step, step number eight, would be to watch for the mother. One of the weirdest things while learning how to make apple cider vinegar is that while fermenting, you may see a white film develop in the jar, otherwise known as the mother or the SCOBY, like we talked about earlier, the symbiotic community of bacteria and yeast. This is a good thing. It's common in just about every fermented solution, whether it's kombucha, apple cider vinegar. In fact, you can add it to future batches of apple cider vinegar to speed fermentation. But just know that if you keep the SCOBY, if you keep the mother, you need to keep it moist. So you'll want to save back a little bit of the apple cider vinegar and add a little bit of sugar from time to time to keep kind of like feeding it in order to keep it alive. If you let it dry out and if you don't continue to give it a little bit of sugar to keep feeding it, it will die and you won't be able to use it. But keeping the SCOBY and adding it to future batches of apple cider vinegar helps speed fermentation, helps the process go faster because without starting with a SCOBY or with a mother, apple cider vinegar takes at least four weeks to um, ferment to the point where it is vinegar. So once you kind of see the mother, you're going to want to start taste testing a lot. For the next two weeks after straining away the solids, Taste test your vinegar every few days. You'll likely notice the cloudiness start to dissipate as the fermentation slows and the sediment kind of sinks to the bottom. Don't feel like you're limited, though, to two more weeks of additional fermentation. You can actually ferment your apple cider vinegar for up to six months. Two weeks more after straining the solids is just the minimum recommended time frame. I find that only two weeks of additional fermentation after straining away the solids is not enough for my taste personally. I tend to leave it for a few months and then it kind of ends up being much closer to store-bought. If you only do four weeks total fermentation, so two weeks with the solids in there, two weeks without the solids in there, it's going to be a very weak apple cider vinegar. You might like that um, for dressings and things like that, for salad dressings, that would be great. But for other purposes, it's, it's not going to be as good. As your vinegar ages, it will start to clarify more and more, and any sediment will completely drift to the bottom, including the mother. Once you're happy with the strength of your vinegar, you kind of have a few options for storage. And that's what we're going to talk about in step 10, storage or bottling. 
How you decide to store your vinegar is, is really up to you. If you'd rather not store it with the mother, you'll want to strain the vinegar through a coffee filter. So you can use a fine mesh strainer when you strained out the um, solids, but I do recommend using a coffee filter for straining to finish because you are going to have those sediments in the bottom and you may not necessarily want that in your finished vinegar. Once strained, there's no need to run the vinegar through a canning bath. It's acidic enough that if it hasn't shown up by this point, mold shouldn't be a problem. Place the lid on top of the canning jar, so like a regular canning lid, and tighten it down with a screw band to keep it airtight and to keep it from fermenting any further. If you want to pasteurize your vinegar, you totally can. It will make it a bit more shelf-stable. Just know that this will destroy most of the beneficial bacteria it contains. So in order to pasteurize it, you just need to pour the vinegar into a non-reactive pot. This is a fancy way of saying like a non-stick pot. You just essentially don't want to place it in an aluminum pot. So stainless steel, non-stick, those are both non-reactive pots. And heat it to at least 140 degrees, but no hotter than 160 degrees. After it's cooled, seal it in a bottle and store it in a cool, dark place. Again, just a personal preference, but I don't pasteurize my vinegar. I store my vinegar with the mother, mostly because I believe that, you know, the beneficial bacteria I get from leaving it in there really helps me when I have an imbalanced digestive system. And, you know, when you pasteurize, you're going to end up killing a lot of those beneficial bacteria. Step 11, if you choose to save the mother... The mother from vinegar can survive for decades, seriously. Um, and like I said, a mother added to a new batch of vinegar will help fermentation happen even faster. Again, you're going to want to make sure that the mother is submerged in vinegar, or at least, you know, a little bit of vinegar, maybe like an inch of it. Make sure that the mother can breathe. Again, it's it's alive. You, you don't want to cut off the air supply to the mother because it's a living thing. So make sure that the mother has exposure to air. You know, you're putting that paper towel or coffee filter or tea towel, something like that, and screwing down the canning band. Keep the bottle containing the mother in a dark place, but don't worry so much about the temperature. As long as it doesn't get to 140 degrees Fahrenheit, which is what's needed for pasteurization and would kill the beneficial bacteria, it'll be fine. A few degrees difference in your home won't hurt it, and it can be helpful just to make sure that you feed it every once in a while with a little bit of sugar. So that is it. That's all there is to making apple cider vinegar. Seriously, so incredibly easy. All it takes is a bunch of apple scraps, some canning jars, some water, some sugar, and some time. And that's it. That's all you have to do to make your own apple cider vinegar and never have to buy apple cider vinegar again. And you know exactly what went into it. It's fantastic and it's fascinating to watch. If you need pictures, if you need just kind of like a reference to look at while you are doing this for the first time, make sure you visit the sister post for this episode. Again, the link is in the show notes. If you have any questions, drop me a line in the comments of the sister post. I will get back to you just as soon as I can. Otherwise, super duper simple, and I promise you're gonna love it. In the next episode, I'm going to be talking about how to store root vegetables for winter. So this time of year, you've got your onions, you've got your garlic, you've got your potatoes, you've got your sweet potatoes, carrots, all those things. 
need to be stored properly in order for them to last as long as possible through the winter. So I'm going to be talking about storage conditions. I'm going to be talking about tips for making those things last as long as possible in storage. And then I'm also going to be talking about a few different options for things you can do with those root vegetables if you kind of check your storage and you're like, oh, this is not much long for this world and you can't cook all of it that you need to deal with. So that's what we're going to be talking about in the next episode. But until then... Thank you so very much for listening, and I'll talk to you guys then. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.